and welcome to Native Stories. Native Stories exists to share the voices of those connected to the land. This movement, kind of like the Maunakea movement, is really pushing people to activate and to really wake up and, and look at what's happening around them. And I think it's powerful, and I think that when we see our neighbors getting involved and questioning the development that's happening to them, we just get stronger. And I think that's an important thing to show our Kiki that it's possible that you don't have to just bite the bullet and go along with development, that you can fight for your sacred spaces and you can fight for your Ibi Kupuna. And we're going to show them how. Yeah. And, and may I just end with this? Um, and then I'll promise I won't say anything else. <laughs> um, this is not about a park. This is about the continued neglect that our local governments um, are perpetuating. This is not about a park, guys. This is about the continual illegal occupation of the United States military on Hawaiian King, on the Kingdom of Hawaii soil. This is not about a park, Kako. This is not about a telescope. This is about the continual marginalization of our kanaka and our voices. This is about the continual, yeah, um, ho'ole. This is about the continual, uh, this is about native tenant rights. This is about us as a kanaka exercising our voice, yeah, protecting our history, which in turn protects our culture, which in turn protects our identity as a native people. So this is not about a park. Regardless of the narrative that the city and county and the state pushes, this is not about a park. This is about Kanaka being Kanaka. I think it's important to note the mismanagement of the other two existing parks. Right. Meanwhile, Asvido and the Beach Park are sorely neglected. I mean, look at, they just tore down oh, the Gabi. Oh, gosh, yeah. The Gabi Pahinui Pavilion was just demolished. Why? Because it it wasn't maintained. The cities did not maintain that pavilion. Yeah. It could have been kept, and it could have been upkept, and we could still have this beautiful pavilion. Instead, we have a vacant lot. And they're going to put, what, post and sale up now? Then at Azevedo, our fields have holes in it. It's the same soil that's at the polo field. So despite what the city keeps spitting out, this rhetoric of, you know, it's clay and you can't maintain it and blah, 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 blah. If you look at the actual soil, a lot of it is similar to the soil that's on the polo field. Horses aren't breaking their legs, you know? Um, if you look at the gutter near the Azevedo fields, there's trees growing out of it. Yeah. Look at our, our gymnasium. Yeah. We haven't been able to use it. For a long time. You can only use it when it's not raining because the the roof still leaks. And, 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 so, and, and this pushes the point of the city and county needing more green space, needing more parks, needing more playgrounds to perpetuate um, you know, their, their culture of development. And that's basically what this is. They're right. pushing their culture upon us uh, forcefully, you know, pushing development upon our kanaka and upon our aina, you know, and... Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And like mentioned before, in the master plan for the Wamanalo Bay Beach Park, there is no maintenance plan. They're they're planning on doing the same exact thing that they're doing to share um to the beach park and to Azevedo, which is to create this this park to um 
to meet that that requirement for green space and to abandon it like they do the rest of our things so that they can create more exactly buildings exactly. in this area more building this is exactly what this is about like quick said it's not about a park it's about more development Aloha mai, this is Nohea from Native Stories, and I'm here with Ka'u and Ku'ike, and we're going to talk about Sherwoods, uh, saving Sherwoods. So, can you guys introduce yourselves? My name is Ka'u, and um, this is my brother-in-law, Ku'ike, and I'm, I'm a housewife, and I'm a mom, and I'm a resident of Waimanalo. I was born and raised here, and I intend to stay here. Ku'ike? Aloha mai kāko, uh, he kama he kupa no ka aina aloha, o ho pula pula, o e manalo nei, uh, o muli wai olena ke kaha wai, uh, o vahine vaiu ka palina na e hii, uh, mai ke one oliloni no o e manalo, ke aloha nui a oko pakai a pao. My name is Kuike and uh, I'm a native born son of Waimanalo. Mulivai um, is our stream and Wahinevayu uh, is our pali. And uh, from the golden sands of Waimanalo, Kealoha Nui. Mahalo. Let's talk a little bit about Saving Sherwoods. Uh, can you tell me about maybe what's going on and about getting the word out, advocating and, and maybe changing some of the decisions that have been made. Okay, uh, well, first and foremost, Ka'u and I belong to a Native Hawaiian organization, a Native Hawaiian 501c3 nonprofit here in Waimanalo, based in our community called Save Our Sherwoods, um, SOS for short. Um, it's basically um, made up of all Waimanalo residents, um, majority of which reside here on the homestead. And uh, we're very passionate about our community and, um, you know, taking care and malaming uh, these spaces within our community as well. Yeah, um, we have a lot of residents who are also not from the, the Homestead area. We have a lot from the beach lots and we have several from Haleopuni area um, and a couple from the back roads. So... It's very inclusive, and that's what we wanted this group to be um, about. We wanted to get different voices from around Waimanalo to be able to discuss what was happening with the Sherwoods project and to kind of see where everyone was at, and we're all on the same page in that we don't want this area to be developed at all, not into a park, not into a residential area, nothing. We want it to be preserved and, and protected. Okay, um, so can you tell us a little bit about what is what is your mission and what is Saving Sherwoods trying to do, or what has happened so far? Okay, so basically Save Our Sherwoods is, it was created to protect and preserve the historical, cultural, and natural resources of Waimanalo, neighboring communities, and across the state of Hawaii. And so we're a very Aloha Aina group. Um, Aloha Aina above profit, people above profit always, and that's kind of where where our activation stems from, is from that preserving and to maintain and to protect what is there, our Aina, and not to just develop. 
campaign? Yeah, and then if you look on our, um, if you take a visit to our website um, at saveoursherwoods.com, um, you'd be able to find our mission statement as um, there as well. Okay, good to know. So what has happened? What um, What's happening at Sherwoods? Hmm. Well, there's a bit of history here in the Wamanalo community. And um, what's really happening, well, in the beginning, there was just a lot of misinformation going on. And um, there was really not a lot of inclusiveness in the Wamanalo community. And that's what kind of triggered... Um, this opposition that we see today and the creation of Save Our Sherwoods is, uh, you know, one day I'm driving past Sherwoods uh, about five, six months ago, five months ago, and uh, I just see a city and county erect a sign, building a better Honolulu, wow. <laughs> building a better Oahu, and then the very next day we see a bunch of uh, machines, heavy-duty machines, um, being trailered in and starts to start to push push over trees, and uh, start to break ground on a project that uh, my family and I were not aware of. So um, we began to ask questions. Right. What is going on? You know, and um, you want to talk a little bit about that, Cub? Um. So for me, it was it was definitely seeing the bulldozers on site and just thinking to myself like what is going on? And, and in asking that question on Facebook, I noticed that a lot of people didn't know. So there was a, a huge lack of community involvement, um, in this project. And that was kind of staggering and that kind of, um, pushed us to, to gather. And so, um, a grassroots group, Nakua Aina, which I'm a part of, got together and, um, we had a meeting at the library on April 29th. And in that discussion, it was clear that the community as a whole had no idea what was going on. So essentially, I believe it was 15 people originally who had helped in the creation of this project. And outside of that 15, nobody really had any idea what was going on. Okay. So let me backwards a little bit. Aloha aina. What does that mean? Yeah. For those like, because they're putting up a park. And a park can be beautiful for the keiki um, and those types of beautification things. What is Aloha Aina to you in this case, in this specific case? Well, um, I can, I'll answer that for myself. What is Aloha Aina to me? And it's very simply put, if we define Aloha, we would get um, love. And if we define Aina, we would get land. So it's really the love of land. And, you know, Kupuna have said that Aina, without Kanaka, is just Moku, right? So land without uh, the Kanaka or the Uivi or the indigenous people of this land is just rock and soil. So being the Kanaka who kanu or who live with this aloha um, and when we bring that to aina and we love our land you know we tend to uh, be defend you know in defense of it um, protect it you know because we know that it, it is a resource that without we would not exist yeah so in a nutshell 
right here today in this studio. That's what it means to me. I mean, we can have conversations for generations right. about Allah Aina right. and the different embodiments of what that may mean. But I'm going to tell you, out in, the, out in the ocean, you know, that still applies and the perspective may change a little bit different because of the circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, and up on Mauna Kea, they may change a little bit because of the circumstances or the context. So, you know, right here in the studio, I mean, it's basically the love of our land. And like I stated earlier, um, I am a Kama, I am a Kupa, um, I'm a native-born son of Waimanalo. Yeah, let's go more into you guys' background. Um, where did you go to school? Who are your parents? Mm. Uh, well, I'm the spawn of <laughs> uh, Kalani Ohelo and uh, Kavahine Kamakea Ohelo. Um, I am the product of the Native Hawaiian movement, mm-hmm. um, as you could say, the Renaissance. Um, my parents were involved in many of Aina, many of social struggles, many uh, m- many of movements from the early 1970s, late 1960s to present. Can you name a, fa- a few, a couple? Um, well, you know, starting in the very beginning of, I would say, my uh, awakening is uh, 1972. Of course, I wasn't born then, but in the 1970s at Kalama Valley, um, when you learn, when you go to uh, UH and you learn about Hawaiian studies, you know, it's you learn about my dad, Kalani Ohelo, and about his participation, his his uh, activeness in the movement, and how he and Uncle Larry Kamakaviwa Ole were the faces of Kokua Hawaii at that time. And um, if you look into the Kue books, you'll find the very first Mo'olelo is about dad and uh, standing in front of the sign Yankee go home you know and he was very adamant growing up um, you know in all humbleness my parents rarely talked about their involvement Mm -hmm. in the communities Mm -hmm. and in the movements we had to learn about it through books Uh, we had to learn about it through mutual friends in the movement in the struggles they would never directly talk you know explain or talk to us about anything specific in the movement. It was just, yeah, we were there. These were the people that were there. And then I would have to go out and seek yeah. these people and ask the, I mean, ask questions and listen to their mo'olelo stories. So just Kalama Valley to start and to present, you know. <laughs> nice. And are they from Waimanalo? Actually, no. My dad was born um, on the plantation in the middle of Eva. And um, there's a huge, um, you know, my dad was born through adversity. Mm-hmm. And um, in those times, the practice was basically to leave the child on the side of the road to to hala, to die. Because of the adversities, you know, my dad was born clubfoot. My dad was born with a cleft palate. He was also born, um, I don't know the medical term, but he was born blind as well as he didn't have any... Because of he was born breech, the kauka, the doctor at that time, common practice was to just yank the child out. Mm. So in doing so, killed the nerves in my dad's face. Wow. So, you know, I mean, people grumble about their parents. It's like, oh, my dad was just, it's like, at least your dad smiled. Right. My dad couldn't. So, you know, dealing with this, uh, this adversity, I mean, I think um, pretty much shaped my dad from when he was born. 
And of course, you know, through the Pule, through the uh, love of his kupuna and the com- surrounding community, um, he gained his sight, he gained the ability to walk. Wow. And because of um, his, I don't want to say handicap, but uh, be- for lack of a better term, um, he, he basically sat still, stood still, and just read a lot. He was uh, super interested in reading, you know, and where he gained a lot of knowledge and a lot of ike and a lot of perspective. Um, and then he later, the my ohana, the ohel ohana later moved to Palolo Valley, where they're raised in the housing. And my mom was uh, born in, she was raised in Kalihi, in Odd Lane. And then um, when the second or third division over here in Wamanala Homestead opened up, um, my Kabakea Ohana moved here on Huli Street. Mm. And, um, yeah, so they basically okay. grew up here as well. So How they migrate to Waimanalo. Uh, yeah, so um, later on in life when my dad met my mom, um, you know, stories have been told many a times that, uh, you know, what what kind of uh, encouraged my dad to move to Waimanalo and not to Waianae, where his other Ohana was, um, was the was the song uh, Waimanalo Blues. Mm. And, you know, so my dad passed away a year ago. And every time I hear that song, you know, and it's very, it's very near, near to, near to the soul and to the heart, because that's exactly what's happening today in 2019 in Waimanalo. Right. The beaches they sell to build their hotels, our fathers and I once knew. You know, um, and a little bit of backstory. Um, when it comes to this space, um, this Wamanalo Bay Beach Park or Sherwoods Forest, as we commonly know it as, um, back in the early 1990s, the early 1990s, my mom participated in the repatriation of these Ivikupuna, um, the reinternment of these Ivikupuna in that space. And, you know, to be called forward in 2019 to serve the same purpose of protection, you know, to serve in the same manner of this, and the protection of this space and the alohaina of this space. Now, with three generations, my mom, myself, and my keiki, you know. Um, Sorry, there were EV that were dug up in that area? So, the EV that the city and county are aware of, the state is are aware of and the federal government are aware of that was dug up in 1965-67 was examined and studied and put on display in the Smithsonian and when they were returned by Uncle uh, Hale Aloha Ayao my mom and my Makua Hanai Kalani Hewitt was uh, then invited to um, Kukua in the reintern, reinternment and the repatriation of these Ivi Kupuna to this space. So um, we are now three generations protecting this space and these Kupuna. All right, so I was born and raised in Waimanalo. My mom is Cheryl Kalama and my dad is Scott Fernandez. My grandparents adopted me when I was seven years old, um, Solomon Hanohano Kalama and Alberto Puanani Kioloa. I don't have any kind of familial 
political background. It kind of all just, I think, started with me. Although um, my grandfather was hanaid by uh, Solomon Hanohano, who was the editor of Nupepaku Oko'a, which at the time, um, which is just before the overthrow, was very politicized. (laughs) And so maybe that's where I get that from. Um, I went to school at Kamehameha. And what year? 2008. Okay. Then I guess I was lucky enough to marry into an activist family because I feel very at home with that. You know, it's it's a passion of mine to engage in civil engagement. And so I went to UH Manoa. I graduated with um, an undergrad in political science and through learning about Hawaii's history, um, it activated something in me that wanted to be a part of this movement. It kind of angered me that I didn't learn this stuff in high school um, about our past. And, and I think it's really important for us to fight for our aina and our spaces so that our children know how how to fight themselves because this is not going to end with us and this will probably not end with them either. But it's important for me to show my daughter the process. You know, we don't just go out there and hold signs. There's a lot of reading involved. There's a lot of research involved. There's a lot of phone calls involved, a lot of late nights, a lot of interviews. Um, And so that's why I was, I got involved is, is the community engagement part that I saw was lacking in this project. And, um, Wamanalo being my home, I didn't think that that was right, that the residents of Wamanalo didn't get a say in what was happening in our backyards. Right, yeah. Agree. Can You said books, and you have one room in front of you. Do you have any books, recommendations for people to read? Yeah, I would definitely recommend um, this book that I have in my lap. is called The Shark Going Inland is My Chief, and it's written by Patrick Kirch. Um, Patrick Kirch was born and raised in Hawaii, too. He went off to study at Yale and Penn. He did some excavations out at, at Bellows when he was um, a high school student at Punahou. Huh. And it was there that they discovered um, the several layers, because there are different layers in the sand dune at Bellows. And it was there that they discovered um, bones and artifacts that tie back into... Um, so the bones... The bones and the the tools found in the Bellows area are closely related to bones and um, tools found in Tahiti and Marquesas. Oh. And so his findings, um, it links Waimanalo to those earlier to Polynesian Tahiti. civilizations. Came, yeah. And so it's... In the book, he talks about how it's one of the earliest sites, if not the earliest site, in Hawaii. Did they do any dating on the... They did. So at the beginning, they did some carbon dating that um, took carbon from from the tools and from the bones, and they dated it to be very early, about 600 AD. <clears throat> Later, they used AMS carbon dating, which counted every single C14, uh, carbon-14, Um, Adam, and they were able to get it down to about the 11th and 13th century. So they're saying that the Waimanalo area was colonized around 1040 AD. And so that's huge for for people who are So a thousand years later, (laughs) here we are. 
Yeah. And so, so yeah, I just want to put that in perspective. Yeah. Hawaiians, Polynesians have been here yeah. for over a thousand years. Like I said, that's based on AMS carbon dating, so it's very, it's a lot more accurate yeah. than the carbon dating that was done back in the day. Right. And so some people may dispute that because there are places um, on Maui and Molokai that have similar tools, but um, yeah, Patrick Kirch notes Wamanalo is very special in that he believes that it's it's one of the earliest settlements, if not the first settlement in the entire archipelago. Right. Thank you. Okay, so maybe we can switch over to more history on Sherwood's um, and the politics behind it, who owns it, per se, um, who are the builders of it. I know a lot of people know here in Waimanalo who is, but I think maybe possibly others do not. Um, and... Uh, maybe even also the, I mean, yeah, let's go into Bellows, right? Sherwoods. Who owns that property? Who's been the caretakers of that property? Who, what other entities are involved in the development? Not just, not just development, but the whole background Um, of that land transfer. Yeah. So I could talk a little bit about that. Um, Bellows in its entirety um, <clears throat> is on Crown land. So as we know, it is on the Chichel land, Department of Hawaiian Homelands. Um, ultimately, you know, the states being the steward of this, uh, the TNK, if mm-hmm. you want to say that, you know, of this Aina. Um, how it was transferred to the military, I mean, it predates DHHL, but we know that once, uh, when DHHL was established, um, that they assume Kuleana of all the crown lands, you know, all of the Hawaiian homelands, you know, according to the 1920 Act uh, of the, the 1920 Homestead Act. In the 1960s, and predating 1960s, the military basically um, were pushing over the sand dunes that once occupied the same space that we see the ironwood trees occupy. Um, so the, similar to the sand dunes in Maui, um, in central Maui, we had sand dunes in Wamanalo as tall as 25 feet. And um, in and around these sand dunes is where the EV and the artifacts and the village was discovered. Mm. So in the discovery of, you know, our kupuna, our EV kupuna and um, their spaces, um, you know, this it triggered um, this archaeological excavation, if we want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And then, then the recording of you know the sites as well as the artifacts and the Ivi Kupuna in the late 1960s, in the early 1970s. Okay, so following the archaeological excavation um, in 1965, 67, um, 1971, an application was filed and uh, sent 
to put the bellows archaeological site, which encompasses all the aina, all the bellows aina from Ka'ohau forward to Aloiloi Street, right right near uh, McDonald's here in Wamanalo, and it also includes the Wamanalo Polo Field. So in 1971, this application was filed and sent. In 1972, the application was uh, received. And then in 1973, it was signed. And the Bellows Archaeological Site was put on the National Register of Historical Places. Okay, sorry. The application was um, created to put those those places on the historical... Um, the regist- National Register. National historical registry yeah okay and national is federal correct okay so what that means is um bellows archaeological site in its entirety is um has the same recognition as pearl harbor or the arizona memorial in pearl harbor has the same recognition um as a punch bowl or the statue of liberty and also has the same protection so this space is federally protected mm. by law mm. because of um, the historical and archaeological and cultural significance of this vahi. Yeah. And the application was accepted. <laughs> and it's so. actually in um, the application or the, the registry, it's registered as a historic funerary, which means that it's a prehistoric burial, burial site. site. And like Kuike said, you know, punch bowl and... Um, Pearl Harbor, it's the site of where a lot of U.S. citizens die or are buried, laid to rest. And so if our kupuna are laid to rest in this area, why don't they have the same protections? I mean, federally, they should have the same protections. It's just not happening. Well, federally, they do. Yeah, they do. And that's the issue here, is this space and these evi kupuna are protected are protected yet and, and because of the 1920 act uh, the 1920 homestead act us as kanaka are recognized and federally protected as well mm-hmm. you know so of course there's other processes if the city and county or the state or anyone else wanted to develop this land there's a process right but as it sits right now you know um we ask the question and we challenge, right? Why isn't the city and county or why isn't state Shipti or why isn't the uh, Department of Interior or Secretary of the Interior, why aren't they protecting our Ivikupuna or this space as it says according law. to the letter of the law? To the yeah. same degree that military personnel's bodies are protected. Yeah. <clears throat> you would never build a park or a... Um, on the Four, 470 parking stalls on over over their their bodies right right but for our kufuna that's okay i just don't understand so the city and county is the ones so the city and county are the current stewards of this aina of this land that we know now as um the wamanala bay beach park um commonly known as sherwood forest um, the city and county was um they were given this land by the state that was given that was reinterned by the military by the federal government so i was sharing earlier um the timeline right um 65 67 the the excavation 
the archaeological excavation 71, the application 72, um, the feds received the application in 73, it was signed and approved and put on the National Register of Historical uh, Historic Places, Historic Sites. Um, and then right around 1979, I believe, I forget exactly when, but the military chunked out, so they, 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 what we know now as Sherwood Forest, the 77 acres, basically they cut that out of Bellows and returned that to the state. This is just my personal observation, but it's because there is too much um, archaeological or historical um, significance that um, the military couldn't do anything the responsibility. with it. They also didn't want responsibility. I mean, that's a lot of space to maintain mm -hmm. that they cannot develop or use. Right. Um, so they gave it back to the state. Um, and are we leasing that property to, is it a lease or is it a ownership, title ownership? So uh, according to, according to um, the city and county and documents that I have seen, um, the city and county quote unquote owns um, Sherwood Forest or the Wamanalo Bay Beach Park, but I mean, that can be challenged as well. That's not what we're here to do today. Right. You know, we're just here to make sure that our Ivikupuna are protected right. and this space is protected and no longer exploited as as has been done right. in the past generations. Okay. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the last um, five months uh, when things got activated and the timeline up to now. Um, so, in April, latter part of April, April 29th, there was a meeting called by Nakua Aina Waimanalo at um, Waimanalo Library, where the community had a chance to engage with Ikaika and ask questions and to make statements to him. And it was clear that despite, you know, the hundred or so people that showed up at the meeting and despite all the different signatures that we had gotten on, um a petition created by Jody Green that the city was going to go along with their agenda, which was to create the um, the sports complex at Sherwood. And, and follow through with the Wamanala Bay Beach Park Master Plan from 2012. And wasn't that Ikaika Anderson's stance? Yeah. That... What was his statement <clears throat> to the Wamanala community? What exactly was his statement? That he would go through with the, the project, despite all the, the backlash from the community. Mm. So there was a lot of expression of not wanting this park. Um, it, it was told in the media that we were like a split community, but I have not heard of any single person coming to our meetings and saying that they wanted this, this park. It was an open discussion. It was open for everyone. And there wasn't a, a single resident there to, to back up this plan. They do come out at the neighborhood board meetings because the neighborhood board was um, informed about this project. So the neighborhood board, it seemed like a good place for them to come out and speak um, in favor of. But as far as all of the other community meetings that we've held, nobody's come out. Um, Can I ask a question? Because I heard that the neighborhood board voted and approved it. Was that true? Voted and approved the project? Yeah, or um, I guess as so a community. So up until a few months ago, up until, was that June? 
up until June, um, basically the neighborhood board. Um, I don't believe that they voted on it. I believe that this was a project that was presented by the city through Ikaika, and it was presented to them, and so they mm-hmm. went along with no it. I don't think that voting. it was something that was voted on. Um, I do know that uh, 15 people from the community were chosen um, by the chair, then chair, Wilson Kikoaho, um, to help develop this project. And so that was their, their scope of community outreach. Okay. Right. Right. But in, in the 2000 census, um, there was, uh, 10,000 residents of Amanalo. So to have 15 people speak on behalf of 10,000, and that's only from 2000, right? right? Imagine 2010, we have more residents of Amanalo. So, to select 15 people, 15 specific people in support of this project, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, I'm not saying that they all were in support. Right. It's just, you know, to only have 15 people speak on behalf of the 10,000 or the, the many thousands of residents of Amanalo, it's kind of uh, misleading yeah. as a community involvement. Right. And that's what they were calling it. Right. Yeah. And it was still something that, I mean, I had never heard about. I was living here. Um, none of the other people that we're engaged with um, knew yeah, about it. Were, I didn't see any letters yeah. or so, um, it was door hangers. It kind of was held, um, it was kept quiet. Um, if you look at, if, so we went back into the neighborhood board meetings archives, and it was mentioned one time, the beginning, and they said that they were going to have a meeting to put together this, this master plan. So it was mentioned the first time, they had their little meeting, the day of the meeting was the same day that it came out on Olelo. So if you missed the neighborhood board meeting and you wanted to go and watch it on Olelo, um, the same day that you saw it on Olelo was the same day for them to get together to create this master plan. So it wasn't like everybody was in- invited to come and be a part of this. It was very selective. Mm. And then they don't talk about it again until the the putting together of this project was complete. And so for me... That doesn't say community engagement. That says that you tried to hide this from our community. Right. And that's, yeah. that's what really irritated me. You know, and like I was trying right. to say earlier, in June, the board had, the neighborhood, Wamanala Neighborhood Board did vote um, in support of uh, SOS, Save Our Sherwoods, to Ho'ole and um, stop phase one or stop the development of Sherwood Forest. Okay, supporting. So Saving Sherwood. Correct. In June 2019. <laughs> Not building. Okay. No. And I would just like to say, um, uh, two weeks ago, in early August 2019, um, the city and county organized a groundbreaking ceremony and a blessing of the space nearly five months after they broke ground and cleared the trees. I was going to say, that was like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they've it's been empty yeah. for a while. And again, where's the community engagement? Where was our in- invitation? I mean, we're a nonprofit from the area. The master plan says that they're hoping that a nonprofit from the area will come and maintain the park because they have absolutely no maintenance plan. Yeah. And yet, no nobody from the community was invited to participate in this blessing. So, you know, <laughs> that that speaks towards their character and their de- their divisiveness. Um, in working with the Wamanalo community and selecting only a few. Um, okay. But 
for the last five months, um, four and a half months, um, we've organized as a community um, and we've came together and um, created this organization called Save Our Sherwoods, uh, which in a month and a half we um, got our 501c3 nonprofit status from the IRS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we are recognized um, locally with the DCCA, State of Hawaii. And, um, you know, we are here to basically speak and uh, raise vo- raise our voices in Kako'o of the kupuna who are laid to rest here in this mm-hmm. space, the ones whose voices have long been forgotten. Right. You know, and that's why we're here. So since then, we've also attended a lot of um, a lot of meetings. We've met with um, our city councilors and we've given testimony several times. We've done a lot of sign waving and the sign waving we still continue to do every Wednesday, five o'clock to six thirty p.m. Um, and that's just to let the community know that we're still out there. If you have questions and if you, you have something to say, if you think that we could be doing a better job, then come out and, and share those opinions with us. You know, like, we're learning through this process. We're not professionals at fighting the city on preserving historical land at all. And so we invite everyone and anyone to come out and participate with us, to ask their questions. We put out a lot of our, all of our information, in fact, on Save Our Sherwood's Facebook page. We have permits there. The master plan is there. Um, the historical registry papers are there. And so if you want to check it out for yourself to form your own opinion about this project, we invite everybody to do that. Don't take our word for it. Literally go out and look for yourself. Read the documents and see for yourself exactly what this this project means to you or how what it invokes in you. And so if something invokes in them, what can they do? How can they help? Um, and what's the best way to contact you guys? Um, the best way to contact us is through email at saveoursherwoods at gmail.com. Um, second to that, you can reach out, uh, reach out to us through social media on Facebook um, on our Save Our Sherwoods page. Um, I believe I DM'd you. Instagram. Yeah, and uh, you know, and we also have an Instagram page that is not entirely active because it takes a lot. It takes a lot, you know, to to uh, can run. only take so many pictures of the, right. the empty lot you know, there, and, and takes a lot of energy and consumes a lot of time to run um, campaigns on different platforms. Right. You know, for us and take care of your kids and, <laughs> and have your jobs. Lives. Correct, correct. If you'd like to donate to Save Our Sherwoods to help us with our legal fees, you can do so on um, our PayPal. Our PayPal account, which you can get through our Let's our email. And also we have a GoFundMe account. And, um, you know, I, I just want to add to all of that is um, for me personally is we we need to... We need to now paint the picture, right, that all of Hawaii is under siege, that every community is lacking, um, is neglected, and, you know, the government could possibly be doing something not porno in your backyard. So maka'ala kako, and if this invokes anything within you, please look in your backyard. Just take a look in your backyard. Take a glimpse of what projects may be coming up. You know, and question, that's all. 
just question their authority, question, you know, their documents. You know, please look into that because if they're doing it here um, to, you know, EV that are over a thousand year, a thousand year old that's already protected by the federal government, you know, that, that it should be already protected by the state of Hawaii as well as the city and county of Honolulu, if they're doing that here in Waimanalo, they could possibly be doing it to you in Honolulu, you in Eva, you in Waianae, you in Ko'olauloa. Yeah. Just aloha aina everywhere, guys. Kukia'i, everything. You know, and ultimately, you have a voice. Use it. That's yeah. all we ask. Thank you for listening to us on Native Stories. Navigate through location-based stories on our Native Stories mobile app. You can find it on Apple and Android stores under Native Stories. Go check them out and leave a review and tell your family and friends. If you have a story you would like us to tell or want to sponsor a future podcast, location story, or walking tour, please email us at info at nativestories.org. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook under username our native stories.